Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. was 2014, I'd settled into my new position at AT AT&T. It had been about a year, and when I arrived, I had adopted some agencies that would support me in developing a real capability in diversity and inclusion corporate communications. While what we did was an aspect of multicultural marketing, the way we'd address it would be very different, which meant I couldn't just have any agencies. I think I was covered when it came to LGBTQIA and military and disability, but I wasn't quite sure on what was happening with the African-American segment. And we had some gaps to address on the Hispanic side of the business too. So I took it upon myself to go back into the market and see who was competing at the upper end of the market when it came to African-American communications. Well, this was interesting, the search it was. There are not that many certified African-American public relations agencies that can take on major brands. Let me explain. There are a lot of them out there, and many of them are associated with advertising agencies, which is fine, but typically they are not full service. Then add on top of it, you need an agency that can work with the Fortune 100, and that requires different kinds of capabilities, different kinds of credentials, different kinds of certifications and you know what you gotta have the pockets to do that so what's interesting is there was an agency going all the way back to the time when i was approached by Colomer usa which would eventually become revlon They wanted my agency to be agency of record for their multicultural hair care portfolio. This isn't Alberto Culver. Remember, this is Colomer. And they were talking to an agency called Flowers Communications Group out of Chicago because the VP at that time, Sean Tollerson, was commuting from Chicago to Florida just about every week. When it came down to it, both of our agencies submitted. And as it would have it, my agency was blessed to get that business. But I never would forget the name Flowers Communications Group. As it would turn out, the principal at Flowers had the very same name as myself. We're both Michelles. I would come across their names again 
when I was looking for an agency for African-American communications. And they bubbled up to the top because they had all the credentials and all the chops to handle a Fortune 12 at the time. So I called up Michelle Flowers and had the funniest story because she remembered my agency from the colors. She could recall the brand colors of my website and said that they took some cues from it because they thought it was great and they also thought that my agency was based in Chicago. And while we had a Chicago office, we were based in Dallas. So that was a compliment. But this was when I would meet the executive vice president of client services. Her name, Christina Steed. Christina would lead two of the teams that would support me in the African-American segment and also Hispanic as they would tag team with Fleischman Hillard. Over time, I developed a deep respect for Christina and the work that they were doing for me there at AT&T, and we would become friends. We traveled together. We would hang out together when we were at conferences. We got to know each other very well. But what's interesting is I would not know that she was married to the other Steed, Munson Steed, who is a publisher and editor of Rolling Out Magazine. I wouldn't know that until halfway through our engagement. That being said, I already mentioned I have a deep respect for Christina Steed. She's doing some of the same things that I am right now. She's living her dream as she lives out her purpose. She started a podcast, she's writing, and she's an adjunct professor at DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. Without further ado, I want you to meet my girl, Christina Steed, storyteller for the culture. I'm so excited that I've got my girl on the line. You know, this is L. Michelle Smith and friends. I stay true to that. <laughs> this is why you can't pitch the show. But I've got my girl, Christina Steed, who is hey. an adjunct professor at DePaul University at, in Chicago, Illinois. She's also the EVP of Client Relations at Flowers Communications Group. Shout out to Michelle Flowers. And she is the founder, creator, and host First over 40. That's right. So she's doing a lot of things. And I've seen you on the speaker circuit too. Yes. Girl, you are getting it. Hey, busy, keeping busy, staying out of trouble. <laughs> or good trouble. Absolutely. Good trouble. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm booked and busy, but it's great. It's great to be professoring for the first time. Winter quarter at yes. DePaul, which is a college that I applied to and was accepted to and made a different choice. But now it's a full circle moment to come back and now teach a class that I created called Culture and Strategic wow. Communication Campaigns. Oh, that's awesome. So you're able to 
carry through a theme in your career. Because, yes. ladies and gentlemen, she does multicultural marketing, integrated marketing, and communications yes. at Flowers Communications Group. And I'm trying to think of the last time I've actually seen you face to face. When's the oh. last time we saw each other? Man, was it Ooh. at uh, NABJ in <laughs> NABJ? I, I think that might have been it in yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, y'all, that's bad. Yeah. That's 2019, pretty... 2018. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. 2018. Because you didn't come to Miami last year, no, right? No, no, couldn't make oh, it's it. It's been too long. Now, yeah. y'all, y'all got to know this is my girl. So we've been on the phone. Yeah. We've been texting. Yeah. But we haven't seen other. I know, but that's where technology fills in the gap, right? We're able to still stay connected, root each other on, support each other, because we're doing some great stuff on a parallel track. Absolutely. So you know what? We're going to get into that. But Christina, what do you think we have a culture soup moment? Yeah, let's get, let's do it. Awesome. Okay, great. So you know what? I'm always going through the threads and you know about culture uh, of social media is culture soup. I always say that. But I'm going through the threads and I'm noticing and it's not just in our community, it's all over the place. But I got to tell you that black folks have really leaned in on podcasts. Mm-hmm. And audio is one of those things. And I just shared this with my students at TCU, that people are leaning towards when it comes to content on social media, because it's one of those things, unlike video, which is very, very popular, you can multitask yes. using audio. Right. So there are over 500,000 of these things out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you've thrown your hat in. You I have. You have podcasts. I have. I have stepped in the ring because I felt there was a message that was burning in my heart around turning 40 and how it's perceived in media around, you know, anti-aging. And it's like, once you turn 40, it's downhill from there. And that's just Mm -hmm. not the experience that I've seen in my friend group and my peer group and women who I, you know, look up to that that's just not the case. And so I wanted to start a a project or a platform to celebrate that and to talk about those first, you know, you get to that point where you've done a lot and, but you, you don't take the moments to really celebrate the things that you're learning and doing and doing for the first time over 40. And there are so many things. And so that's what I talk about. Also with mindfulness, Mm -hmm. self-care, being a professional, doing new things. So yeah, that's where I found my niche and I have have some listeners too. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Well, I love it because I heard somebody saying, I can't even remember who it was. When people start thinking about 40s and 50s as being middle-aged, that's a misnomer. It is. Because if you think about it, your adult life doesn't start until, what, you're 20, 21. Exactly. For some people, it doesn't really start then because they move home. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> So if really you're looking at 30. midlife. Yeah. From, right. If you're looking at midlife or middle age, that's more like... A little bit older. Right. 60. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a good thing that you're doing that. We're seeing a lot of women, especially, and a lot of black women. Yes. Taking off in new directions. Mm Mm-hmm after 40. And why do you think that is? You know, we have a story. We have stories that need to be told. We inspire each other. We are, you know, creating businesses and doing really wonderful things. And this is a time for us. Social media has been the foundation and helped to accelerate some of that. And so Mm -hmm. we as Black women, we're just not going to be denied. And we have stories to tell and these platforms that are able to kind of equalize and give people equal access. You can edit your own podcast. The technology is available. So why not talk to that audience who wants to hear what you have to say? Yeah. And you know what? You make a really good point, especially about that demographic, our demographic, Mm -hmm. black women. 
um, early adopters to technology like social media and these devices that we have in our hands, trendsetters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are opening more businesses than anybody mm-hmm. right now. Yes. So we got that entrepreneurial spirit. And I think, too, so many of us, thanks to technology and healthcare and all of that, we're feeling like we're just hitting our stride at 40. Yes, yes. I mean, I can definitely agree with you there. I feel, you know, I've learned a lot. I have a lot to pour into others. I've mentored and I've been mentored by others. So it's just how do we uplift the community in general as women? And, you know, as we look toward March and Women's History Month coming up, it's just a great moment in time to be able to celebrate that and to get the acknowledgement that we have always wanted. And now is our time. We can shine. Right. That's awesome. And you're not the first to come on here and have an extrapreneurial pursuit. (laughs) Right. So we're seeing a lot of that happening. I had Cheryl Grace on. She's been on twice. And she is powerful. And this is what she does. Also, along with her big, powerful job at mm-hmm. Nielsen, and here you are, not just a podcast, mm-hmm. but you've got some other pursuits going right, on too. Right, right. So the hustle, as they call it, it, I don't call it a hustle, I call it a flow, um, being yes. passionate about other things beyond your primary career is, you know, it can be available to us in our 40s as well as the 20 and 30 year olds. So it is yeah. how we reinvent ourselves, how we keep ourselves curious about the life that we're living and be creative. Like that's the most important thing to me is how can I be creative? Mm-hmm. How can I impact mm-hmm. and tell stories and, and give messages around the things that I'm interested in, because if I'm interested in it, chances are there are other people who are interested in it as well. Right. And you know what? I think too, that we're probably positioned better Mm -hmm. because I think back to, and I tell people this story all the time. I made a list of six things that I wanted Mm -hmm. to do back when I was coming out of grad school that I knew that I couldn't Mm -hmm. do because of my Mm -hmm. age, lack of experience, no real network, I didn't have the credibility because I didn't have the credentials. I mean, you just go down the list, but these were the things that I wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I knew coming out of grad school, I needed to make money. So I needed to find that one thing that would make me money. For me, that was public Mm -hmm. relations. Mm -hmm. So I did it for 26 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And now it's so cool to take all of what I learned. I've got the credibility. I've got the credentials. Mm -hmm. I've got the Mm -hmm. tribe. I've got all of these things. And be able to just peck at that list. And I'm at number six now. Wonderful. And I think that speaks to another issue with women in the workplace. And when we talk about ageism and how we Mm -hmm. think that, you know, folks who hit a certain age can't reinvent themselves or can't learn new skills. And that's just not the case. We look at folks who are running in our our, uh, election right now and they're older. And that's kind of the, the, the trope. People are attacking them for being older. But why? I mean, they're smart, they're yeah. healthy, you know, if they can, you know, get their message across and do the things that we need done, why should we put the, put on this ageism trope um, to yeah. throw people out? Like, we're done with you because you're not in your 20s and 30s, honey. I'm just not, I, I don't subscribe to that. No, I don't either. And there is something to be said about wisdom. Yes. And, you know, smarts gets you to the table. Mm-hmm. Wisdom keeps there you, you there. There you go. There you go. And that's just how yes. it is. And you don't get wisdom until it's a little bit of time that's invested. Mm-hmm. And you may be blessed with some wisdom at a young age, but man, 
let that season and let them yes. and see what that wisdom That's does. That's right, right, exactly. Because then you you make less mistakes, right? You you've already mm-hmm. you know had those experiences, and so now you're at the stage in your game where you can do multiple things, you can juggle multiple yeah. things, and you can be have a great impact on the com- community. And it kind of looks easy to some right. folks. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's great. So now you are pouring into future leaders. Yes, I am. I am an adjunct professor at DePaul University, and I created a class called Culture and Strategic Communication Campaigns because I want the folks who are coming in the industry to understand the importance of having cultural competency. Uh, The work that I do at Flowers Communications Group, we reach and respect multicultural audiences. We work with Mm -hmm. some of the world's biggest brands, and we help our clients understand how important it is to include these consumers, not just from a buying power standpoint, because Cheryl at Nielsen, who's one of our clients, actually, talks about buying power a lot, but also because so many of the trends that are set and what culture looks like comes from these consumers. And so we have Mm -hmm. to really be understanding of how we communicate to them, what types of programs we're putting together that also have resonance in the general market. Yeah. You know, some of reading the tea leaves for what's coming down the pike in the mass market Mm -hmm. is demonstrated in... Even let's let's go all the way back to the black female demographic. You could even say LGBTQ of color. Mm-hmm. They're driving a lot of trends yes. that end up being mass market. Yes. And, you know, I'm also an adjunct professor hey. at TCU. And, you know, it was interesting because we had a conversation. I open up every last one of my classes with the current events question. And last Tuesday, I think it was, I opened up with the question who is, and I hope I don't mispronounce it because I've never heard it said out loud. It's Jalea or Jalaya. Mm, okay. okay. And who is mm-hmm. she? And there was kind of a blank stare really? that happened. Wow. Now, here's Even the thing. Even after the New York Times article? <laughs> well, that was the okay. point, right? Um, the demographic of my class is primarily white female. Mm-hmm. There's one young man in the class and there's one black female who happened to not be in the room okay. that day. So there's kind of a blank stare and a big pregnant pause. And I said, I'll give you a hint. Does anyone know who Charlie is? And then one of the students said, oh, wait a minute. I know exactly who mm-hmm. she is. She gets to Googling. She's like, yeah, that's who mm-hmm. she is. She's worth like over $600,000. And then somebody else said, wait a minute. Is Jaliah the one that actually made up the renegade dance? Mm-hmm. It dawned mm-hmm. on them what was going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So this 14-year-old black girl comes up with this dance that is like the craze on TikTok. And another white youngster, teen tween, whatever she is, who can actually dance. The girl can Mm -hmm. dance, you know, kind of took credit Mm -hmm. for it. And everybody thought that she was the one that came up with it. And actually, it's a different version. You know, this is the one that goes like this, <laughs> right? Instead of the dab, right? Well, I, mean, I, don't we know know honey, I don't know the dances, but I do know the theme <laughs> and what you're trying to explain to the students. And this coming Thursday for my class, we're talking about cultural mm-hmm. appropriation versus appreciation. There you go. And unpacking mm-hmm. different moments in time from what Pepsi and Ken- Kylie Jenner did to, yeah. you know, when we look at how these trends or phenomenon take place in social media and then who takes the credit for it, who monetizes it, who then becomes known for it. 
I think social media is great in that we are able to look at the forensics of things now and see mm-hmm. where trends have started and who should mm-hmm. receive credit for what. Um, so that cultural appropriation conversation, I'm really looking forward to it because my uh, yeah. students as well are majority white and for me and female. Mm-hmm. And for me, I want to mm-hmm. imbue them with the understanding that you can grow your cultural competency. You now mm-hmm. have this lens to be able to see examples like this and say, we're not going to pick out the TikToker when we know the origin, the originator, right. and we need to give her credit. She needs to be an NBA all-star doing her dance in front of crowds and getting right. points. So there we go. Oh, it was awesome too, wasn't it? Was. it? <laughs> it was. So um, I, my class has made a promise to me. They're actually going to teach me how to renegade. <laughs> and we're going to do it for TikTok because I'm now on TikTok now. And when I go to Lane College this weekend, we're going to do some little dance for TikTok. <laughs> but... I like what you said about the forensics of it, because if you go all the way back to Elvis and Chuck Berry, Mm -hmm. if they had the Internet, we'd be able to tell the story even more clearly Mm -hmm. who this came from. And now we got attorneys that are actually looking at readdressing this idea of who owns it and the idea of IP or intellectual property, because the argument was that you can't copyright dance moves, right? But now you call it the forensics. Mm-hmm. They can literally take side by side, you know, TikTok duets yeah. if you want to, <laughs> and look at, at them side by side and say, that's her image. That's her likeness. Yep. And they're beginning to see where they might be able to take people. Yeah, for sure. And for us as a, you know, African-American women or African-American creators, it's important, right? It's important to get that credit. It's not just about the fame. It's about the fortune and the monetization yeah. that, you know, if someone is co-opting a hairstyle, a, you mm-hmm. know, a fashion design, which, you know, we, there's mm-hmm. a family who has a reality show that has a track record of doing that. Um, you know, we need to look at this critically as cultural folks in the communication space, who should we partner with? Because influencers, when we work with influencers in the multicultural space, we know that sometimes they get the short end of the stick. Black media sometimes gets the short end of the stick. They're at the end of the red carpet trying to get interviews from entertainment and celebrity folks. Why is that in 2020? So we really need to have a critical eye to these things. It's not just oh, it's a dance. No, ma'am. There's a whole ecosystem that gets created around her now partnering with brands and being in commercials and things like that. And so, you know, it's kind of, you know, for me, it's critically important to make sure that stuff gets talked about. That was something that someone raised to me. How does Jalia or Jalia, I don't know how to say her name, (laughs) get almost reparations for that dance? Like, because... So much time passed and so much credit was given to somebody else in that time before people actually discovered. And she is on, you know, the New York Times and a big full spread and on Ellen and wherever else she is. How do you make up for that? lost time that is worth some money. Well, that's that's the essential question, right, Michelle? How do we make up for, Mm -hmm. you know, many things in this country where there needs to be reparations signed? I mean, that's the (laughs) eternal question. And folks folks who who are working on that, at the economics of that, I'd love to see how that shakes out. Yeah. I even joked to Jalen Bledsoe, I was on the phone with him before we got on. I was like, you know, part of the reparations package should probably be some really good group therapy. There you go. (laughs) Because we need it right now, right? Yeah, the trauma is in the DNA. That's been proven out by several studies and and research. So, yeah. So let's 
talk about the importance of multicultural marketing mm-hmm. um, and integrated marketing and communications. Yes. It's interesting because we're in this very, it's an interesting time because every company out there, you know, whether they mean it for the good or they mean it for the bottom line or if they're just checking mm-hmm. a box. It's getting the chief diversity officer. They're paying attention to diversity and inclusion. And some of them are looking at equity mm-hmm. too. What is the role of a multicultural integrated marketing agency? And let's talk about the importance mm-hmm. of it. Because there is a school of thought out there right now, which I think is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll talk about <laughs> it, but I'm gonna let you talk about it. That we are going to come to a point where we don't need mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these agencies that bring this thought leadership right. and the, these insights that you really can't get from majority owned mm-hmm. firms. Mm-hmm. So are you seeing that? Yes, we're seeing it in the RFP process. We're seeing it in the new business development process that some companies want to just have a one-stop shop. Um, They don't necessarily prioritize outreach to multicultural consumers because they feel like they're watching the general market media, you know, but there is nuance is so important. And we continue to see companies that fall down in terms of the types of campaigns that they come up with thinking they know hip, the hip hop community, they know, you know, what might resonate and it's mistake after mistake after mistake. And, you know, I love Barnes and Noble. But mm-hmm. their mishap during Black History Month around the the um, the, the books and reinterpreting the classics, yeah. just putting kind of a, a literary blackface on the covers of these books, when there could have been so such a better way of doing it, highlighting Black yeah. authors, putting a shine on the fact that Black authors do not have distribution to the tune of other authors to get their books yeah. even in that store. So our role as an mm-hmm. agency... We're going to give you that counsel. We're going to give you that perspective that maybe also folks who are of color within the organization might not have agency enough to do, may Mm -hmm. not have power enough to push back on something because, you know, they just may not be empowered to do so. So we're going to give that counsel. You get a two for when you come to us because we can pitch general market media as well as ethnic media. We have the relationships. Um, so I think it will always be important um, to be color brave and not color blind in terms of these yeah, programs. Yeah, thank you, Ms. Yes, you know, she has a word <laughs> in that TED Talk right. um, that I always use. And so, you know, for us, it's definitely, you know, continuing to demonstrate the importance of that. And social media, the way we as, you know, even just speaking about African-Americans talk to each other and signify each other on Twitter you cannot come out with campaigns that don't resonate and aren't authentic because people can sniff it. It's just, we just not, we're not putting up with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it it does make you wonder sometimes, and I've had this conversation with Cheryl too, if we actually understand the weight of the power that we wield, Mm -hmm. not just from our dollar, but our influence. Mm -hmm. And I think about that, that Popeye sandwich (laughs) and how we literally drove the bottom line for that sandwich mm-hmm. and still driving yeah, it. Yeah, still driving it. When do we get the credit or even get paid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and maybe we don't in that situation, but when do we recognize that, okay, if I hit send on this mm-hmm. tweet, I'm making money for Popeyes. Right, right. Do, should I really do that? Do that. Is that good for my community? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
am I actually killing them with some artery clogging? You know? <laughs> well, it's it's their choice to eat the Popeye sandwich. I have not had it, but I do believe the tw- the person behind the Twitter is an African American female, and mm-hmm. the they partnered with the Migos uh, in terms of a, a promotion on Uber Eats. So I the the key is you have this moment in time where you've sold a bunch of sandwiches and you've connected to the community. Do you maintain and do you sustain that connection? And how and what do you do? With how it? do you show up for the community? Mm-hmm. Are you partnering mm-hmm. with community organizations? You know, how do you show up? Is is beyond this moment right. in time of driving the selling of sandwiches? And McDonald's mm-hmm. does a great job of connecting to the community. They're one of our clients as well. They have a sustained mm-hmm. commitment to Black communities. And I agree with that. Population. I mean, they are always yeah. there, no matter the recession no matter whatever Mm -hmm. anybody else is doing you can count on mcdonald's walmart ford coca-cola coca-cola png png they never go away right and that and they don't downsize and that means something to them to have that connection because they know about us we're brand loyal we look for authenticity in our the ad campaigns and the pr campaigns so you know, kudos to those brands. More need to get on board, mm-hmm. especially in the tech industry, um, because mm-hmm. we're just we're in tech. We are over indexing on our use of social and our use of technology. So, you know, respect us in that way. Like Rihanna said, pull up. Yeah, pull up. What are you guys working on right now? That we should know about. So what I'm really excited about is the work that we're doing in the diversity and inclusion space, both internal comms and external comms. So for, you know, we've been around for 30 years as an agency and the work has been mostly focused on multicultural external communications. We've totally diversified our offering into graphic design, video production, podcast production, um, and then the diversity and inclusion, as you talked about earlier, where we see companies standing up, chief inclusion officers, chief diversity officers, in a moment of this is the movement. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. don't just stand up that person, give that person a budget, give that person line of sight to the communications of So you can talk about externally what you're doing from a DNI space, whether it's supplier diversity, whether it's your hiring recruitment and retention of diverse candidates, um, and just your investment and commitment to the community overall. And that's where we bring value as an agency uh, with the experience that we've had uh, in supporting that work. That's awesome. And you know what, guys? Everybody should know, and you probably have heard this in other episodes, that Flowers Communications Group was my squad <laughs> when I was working at AT&T and supporting the African-American community. And we did some amazing work. And I have to say, Michelle, you are the quintessential example of an internal client who rallies for work to get done, who finds the budget, Mm -hmm. who supports strategic smart thinking, who's test and learning. So that's that's how we were able to do great work because you assembled a team of thinkers and you said, let's let's go in this together, holding hands. Yes. Got to get it done. So we were a team and we operated like a team. And one of the things I loved was that I didn't treat y'all like you were external vendors. Right, right. You know, and I understood that if you guys have buy-in, that the program was going to be better. Mm-hmm. 
and you know let the agency do what the agency is supposed to right. do go get those insights right. you know and i think in the the episode with rev run and justine simmons mm-hmm. at the very beginning i talked about you guys were the guts yes. of the program especially inspired mobility we came with those insights you know that first insight the church's original social network mm-hmm. for the african-american community yeah. that spawned this multi-year Year. campaign yeah. With a that ends up with a, with a great rock and roll hall of fame, great, right, you know, great as, spokesperson who just aligned so seamlessly and was passionate about the work. So, oh my yeah, gosh, kudos to like, Brian to on the day. team. <laughs> said, Should we talk to Rev Run? And Michelle's like, absolutely, and let's find mm-hmm. let's find whatever we need to do to make it happen. Yes, yes, and the, the fact that I was like, I have X amount of money. Mm-hmm. Brian makes that thing happen. Listen, <laughs> Brian is the negotiator. Yes, <laughs> for real. Dot connector. <laughs> yes, yes, I really appreciate Brian Packer. Shout out to him. And let's see. Um, oh, gosh, I almost said Larice, but Larice worked with yes, us early Larice on. Larice Shelvin, Brianna Lacoste, Brianna, yes. Lyra, Angelica. Yes, Tony B in Tony the beginning. Tony B in the beginning, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. It's a great team. Yes, that was, that's my team. Mm-hmm. So I really, really appreciate that. Anything that you're working on that we should be a... Um, be aware of yeah so in a previous podcast episode you had my husband on Munson Steve yes, the CEO and publisher of rolling out and some other media materials and we're actually collaborating on a project where oh, as we good. talked about you know this interest in wellness and mindfulness especially as it relates to black women he and I are collaborated on a coloring book with affirmations and prayers oh. and exercises for women um, in particular to just you know have those healing circles of, and have mm-hmm. it activity for them to just, you know, kind of heal and, and be mindful. So that's coming soon from us. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, and you know what? Shout out to Munson. He also has his Playful Genius Yeah, books. PlayfulGenius.co. He's a toy maker, a book that has six children's books out here. So he's doing it. That's his creative outlet when he's not running a uh, Steve Media Group. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, say hi to everybody on that end, Absolutely. including us. Yes, Thank you so much for coming on. Where can we find you online? So I am at CC Steed on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect in a professional capacity and then the podcast at first over 40 on Instagram and it's available wherever you get your podcast. So Spotify that jab. and Michelle, I have to say, I'm so proud of you as a sister. Um, I really appreciate this platform that you've created and the work that you're doing. So thank you so much and continue to shine. Bless you, because you took all the words out of my mouth that I was going to say to you. <laughs> I am proud of you, Christina. You. Uh, all the things that you're doing. I mean, it's groundbreaking on every end because so many of these brands are doing incredible things, but they wouldn't be doing it without oh, you and your team. You. So there's that. And I love the way that you are out there shining and being the scholar that you are. <laughs> and I know that you write books too. So we're going we're gonna to get back around yes, to that soon. Next okay. podcast. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for coming Thank on, Christina. You. All right. right, Take care. Bye. Bye. What an awesome conversation with Christina Steed. She is a storyteller for the culture. She is the creator and host of First Over 40 Podcast. Be sure to tune in and listen for her show. And she is the Executive Vice President of Client Services at Flowers Communications Group, a.k.a. Hashtag Squad. Also, look for me March 5th at the PMG Agency 
worldwide meeting for the WE Collective, and I will join a panel of experts to talk about all sorts of things, workplace, leadership, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Also, a little social media news. I have joined the happiest place in the social sphere, TikTok. That's right. You can see me on TikTok at El Michelle Speaks, giving words of wisdom when it comes to the coaching industry and also addressing your pain points as a professional in corporate or as an entrepreneur. Check me out. You might even see me do a little dance. Listen, I am headed to Lane College. I'm so excited to visit one of my favorite HBCUs out there. For the third time in less than a year, I will be talking to the women at Lane College during their leadership conference a workshop on women's empowerment, and we're going to talk about how to empower and elevate you. Find us online at theculturesoup.com and on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup and on Facebook at theculturesouppodcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.